Monday warrior, mean, mean stride Today's Tom Sawyer, mean, mean pride Hello and welcome to a farewell to podcasts, uh, the premier Rush podcast on the internet. Don't don't ruin your life, son. Listen to Alex Lifeson. <laughs> <laughs> so this week we'll be talking about Rush and more Rush. Getty Lee, more like get me Lee. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Rush Podcast. A farewell to podcasts. We will see you next week. Next week. Farewell. <laughs> okay, so in ca- in case you guys weren't paying attention, uh, this is not a farewell to podcasts. The internet's premier Rush <laughs> podcast. This is Cranky Commentaries. Uh, welcome to this week. Well, now on to our regularly scheduled programming. Yeah, on, on, on to our regularly scheduled programming. Welcome to Crane Kick Commentaries. As always, I am joined by my friend Keaton Byer. Hello, Keaton. Hello. You didn't say what your name is. Yeah, I'm, well, I'm Jake Del Mastro. <laughs> <laughs> so, Keaton, you know what? What? It's pretty hard not to be romantic about baseball. <laughs> no, what no, do you think? I, yeah, well... You're right. It it is pretty hard to not be romantic about baseball when you care about baseball at all. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and for the record, I really do not know anything about baseball. I know very little about baseball. I played baseball until I was, what, 13 years old? Yeah, I played with you. Yeah. I, I stopped playing baseball because... It started getting too competitive, and I was just, I, I was afraid of all the pressure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was out way before that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Um, but yeah, like I've never really been a huge sports movie kind of person. Yeah. But they they do get me sometimes. They're like I mean, this movie really fucking gets me. <laughs> like it's it's just like fucking pulling all the levers, you know. Uh, have we mentioned what movie it is we're doing yet? Yeah. So um, the movie we're doing today is Moneyball. Moneyball. Um, so this is the uh, the 2011. Oscar non-winner uh, <laughs> Moneyball. <laughs> Oscar-nominated uh, film. Oscar-nominated film. Several nominations. Six. Featuring uh, Jonah Hill and Brad Pitt. Interesting that you led with Jonah... Or Brad Pitt and <laughs> Jonah Hill. If Jonah you Hill would. there. <laughs> I mean, nah, I mean, you could do it either way. It's it totally... Uh, they're say... totally, you know, the same level. Yeah, that's what you'd say? In this movie, yeah. All right. Um... <laughs> Yeah, it, it directed by Bennett Miller. The um, like, Bennett Miller has such a small filmography for yeah. how many accolades he has. Well, I mean, you know, you just don't need to do anything else afterwards. That's that's the reason. <laughs> Basically, it seems that's the way he 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 looked at it. Like, how can you top fucking Moneyball? Like, what else? He's done some other like pretty. Uh huge movies right he did a capote um, right yeah which is the film he did just before moneyball um mm. what did he do what's that more recent one he did something about foxes or something with um with steve carell also nominated for an oscar i think that was him mm. I might be making that up i'll edit it out if i made that up okay um, cool <laughs> uh, or if it just doesn't make any sense yeah <laughs> um what was it called oh shit i forgot to put on my hat I'm gonna be right back. Uh, it's necessary. We'll wait. Yeah. So I just went and got my very important hat, and we're we're gonna talk a little bit about that a little bit later. But you know. So do you, before we go into any more uh, detail, do you want to give us a rundown of what this movie's about? Yeah. Uh, so basically, um, Brad Pitt plays this guy named Billy Bean who is the general manager of a baseball team, the Oakland A's, who uh, I guess they're one of the like sort of less uh, less wealthy teams in the league. Small market team. Yeah, they're a small market team, and you know they're kind of struggling because uh, the Yankees took all their players because the Major League Baseball is really unfair. And, um, <laughs> and the so Yankees basically, are super rich. Yeah, because the Yankees are super-duper rich. Um, so basically, he tries to come up with a way for them to compete with the big teams by using math and Jonah Hill. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, math and Jonah Hill. Um, and somehow they make it into like an emotional underdog story. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the most the most emotional, like compelling movie based on like you know fucking boring statistics <laughs> yeah it's it's um, uh, impressive that they made it work as well as they did um mm -hmm. and i'm sure we'll talk about why in a lot of detail as we go on but they definitely um were able to to pull together some some pretty emotional material from 
I mean, I guess to be fair, the athletics underdog story is already it's good. Um, yeah, the it's a good. So I should mention that this was based on a true story. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't think we mentioned that, but no, it is. It is. It's all well, not all true. We'll get into the details, but it's it's mostly true. A lot of it is quite true. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, the actual details of the uh, of the math are pretty um, pr- pretty boring. So how they manage? Well, to... yeah, yeah. I mean, they kind of hand wave it away in this movie but well yeah it's true they don't explain it nearly as well as we're about to explain it yeah i'm, I'm not i don't I, I i didn't sign up for explaining any math today well not math but <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah I, i'm gonna gonna explain how to fucking um calculate your pl- your pitcher's whips whip score fucking right i can't wait no, for I'm, that i'm not gonna do that i don't even know how Okay, <laughs> that's good because I was f- feigning enthusiasm there. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So this episode is going to be pretty heavy with baseball stuff. Um, just as I mean, I, to, to a certain extent, yeah. I mean, in this to this to the extent that this is a movie about baseball, and this movie yeah. is not only is it about baseball, it's v- it's very very about baseball. I don't know if that makes any sense, but. Yeah, but also you don't need to understand baseball to watch it or enjoy it. No. Yeah. No. So, it, as you said, it's a true story um based on the book um of the same if not a slightly longer name um by Michael Lewis. Uh, mm-hmm. And the full name of the book is called Moneyball, The Art of Winning an Unfair Game. Um, right. And that book was published in 2003. Um, and we can go through, and it's a, it's a, it's obviously, it's a um, true story, the book. But Michael Lewis has a, um, a reputation for, for, well, it's more than just a reputation, but a reputation for writing books that, turned into movies and yeah. oscar oscar nominated and winning movies at that so uh so what would be like uh, a couple of movies that people might know that he's done or that he uh, that were based on his books so he wrote um the blind side right um moneyball obviously uh the big short classic yeah um i don't know what other ones turn into movies uh, but those three are the kind of the big right. ones that I'm familiar with that definitely like uh, those all were Oscar mm-hmm. nominated, if not winning films. I think mm-hmm. Blindside. Um, who? I'm trying to remember who won. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, that's yeah. a different different movie altogether. Anyway, Michael Lewis. Uh, yeah. Important so, but writer. yeah, he has kind of a, a habit of like, you know, taking kind of super like uninteresting sounding stories yeah well and turning them into like really compelling narratives yeah he he was a financial journalist um, yeah by trade so uh it makes it's i mean it's a skill to be able to turn that sort of thing into compelling narrative yeah definitely journalism like Um, i mean like the big short for example like if, if if you told somebody like yeah i'm gonna write a book about you know subprime mortgages (laughs) <laughs> like it doesn't sound like it's gonna be that interesting right no, it's the it's the big picture that exactly that... um yeah 
the way uh, my brother put it was he, he was saying like uh, yeah after you read a Michael Lewis book you feel smarter <laughs> was that Peter yeah that was definitely Peter <laughs> yeah I assume yeah Peter would be reading Michael Lewis uh, Peter on our first episode Top Gun yeah. we should have him back at some point definitely um, yeah yeah exactly I mean I've never read any of his books so I don't know about that but but I I I wouldn't be surprised based on the topics that he's he, he's he's covering. Mm. Um. So should we get into the details of the book that are also the details of our real protagonist, Billy Bean? William Bean. Yeah, let's go. William, William Bean. Yeah. Yeah. So 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 the real Billy Bean, uh, Brad Pitt's character. For anyone who is unsure. Um, <laughs> Yeah, he's a real baseball player, as it was mentioned in the movie. Um, the real Billy Bean uh, went to high school in San Diego. Um, he graduated in 1979, and he left high school with a... See, now I, I forgot to like ask you this. I know so little about baseball. That's a, a 300 batting average. Yeah, you call that a 300 batting average, you, I think. You don't, you don't say the point in baseball. No. No. no, no. So, so, yeah, he... He had a 300 batting average in his senior Which year. Which is, that means he bats, he he hits 30% of the balls, or like he he, he gets on base. Yeah. yeah. Wait. No, he doesn't get up, it has nothing no. to do with What does that base. mean? See, I don't know, that, like, neither of us really understand <laughs> this shit. Um, yeah. So. The point is, it's pr- pretty good for. Yeah. For, well, in the MLB, that's like pretty good. Um, right. As far as I yeah, understand. Yeah, because. Right. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. Let's we're not baseball experts. We're not Like I think do... 200 is good. Oh, really? Yeah. Maybe we should have looked this up. Um <laughs> Okay. Batting. What's average. a good batting average? Apparently in his sophomore years he was batting 500. Oh, yeah. Uh? So, or his so- sophomore and junior years he was batting 500. But I mean this is high school baseball we're talking right. about. Okay, um, so apparently the highest batting average, uh, wait, so the record for career batting average is 366. Three six for career batting average. Is career batting average, yeah. Right, so that's pretty fucking high. Um, so 300's good, but again, this, yeah, is, so this is his senior year of high school, so. According to Wikipedia, a batting average higher than 300 is considered to be excellent, with 400 nearly unachievable. Hmm. My fire alarm's going off right now. Yeah, I can hear it. Uh, so we're back. Um, Keaton, you can confirm that your building is not on fire. No, there's no no fire. Okay, <laughs> it's a good thing. Yes, positive, net positive. What were we talking about? We we were talking about um about Billy Bean and his his 300 batting average. Oh yes, his excellent batting average in, yes. in his senior year of high school. Um. Yeah, well, straight out of high school, as they, as in the movie. Um, I'm going to be doing this a lot, as in the movie or as not in the movie. Yeah. Um, but as in the movie, he was he was courted by the Mets, the New York Mets. Right. Um, but again, also in the movie, simultaneously, he was offered a scholarship to Stanford University. Um, they had this new dual baseball football program where you play like both sports. Um, right. In the scholarship. And... Um, yeah, he was apparently supposed to be the replacement quarterback for John Elway, um, oh, who's the wow. current 
you know, he was star quarterback and current GM of the Denver Broncos. Okay, so he was the quarterback at Stanford at the time. At Stanford at the time, yeah. Yeah. Okay. High potential. Yeah, definitely. Amazing that he was uh, able to do both football and baseball. Yeah, it's pretty impressive that he had. I mean, I think yeah. in his senior year of, of high school, he quit football though just to focus right. on, he, didn't, he didn't want to suffer any injuries that would ruin his potential baseball career because I, mean, I think he yeah had... that's fair football's definitely more dangerous <laughs> yeah yeah um so the new york mets were in a bad way in 1979 i don't know if you're familiar and i don't know why you would be it's a i i mean arbitrary... they're still bad <laughs> they're they've always been bad they, uh, well, from what I know. there was a, they won the Anyway, we'll get we'll get to it. Um, <laughs> they yeah they really wanted Bean. Um, they had the first overall selection in the 1980 draft, which yeah. is the draft that Bean would have entered. Um, and he was if he didn't take the scholarship, they they would have taken him. Um, uh, uh, or if he did, uh, blah, blah, blah. I'm getting all garbled here. If if he hadn't have been offered the scholarship, is that what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. He would have gone first for sure. Right. Um, because, uh, because he took the scholarship, he ended up being drafted 23rd overall also by, by the Mets because they had several first round picks because they were, because they were so bad, so bad. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah, they used their, they, they ended up using their first overall pick to draft Daryl Strawberry. So that worked out pretty well for them. Right. Uh, Daryl Strawberry, you can see him briefly in the movie. Yeah, he makes an appearance, doesn't he? Yeah. Or the actual Daryl Strawberry? No, you you just see a guy with strawberry on the back yeah. of his jersey. Yeah, very brief. <laughs> In the like montage of like Billy Bean like Yeah, exactly. not performing. <laughs> yeah. Billy Bean just fucking up real bad. So but yeah, yeah, like um obviously in the movie they uh they they seem to portray not having taken the scholarship as a bad decision. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I mean, that's neither here nor there in real life, but I think... Yeah, I mean, it, it worked out well for Billy Bean in the end. Yeah, his path turned out pretty pretty much the same as a lot of other uh, yeah. Major League Baseball players. I guess he just missed out on a lot of money in the middle period. Yeah. <laughs> Potentially, yeah. but he made it all up later on, I'm sure. Yeah. But, yeah, he, like most newly drafted players, he bounced around in the minors for a while. Mm-hmm. Um... And, you know, fairly inconsistently his first few seasons in the minors. Like, one year he was really good, and one year he was absolute trash. So it was, like, right. generally not as good as he was expected to be. Because he was supposed to be, like, as they say in the movie, he was, like, an all-around good player. At least right, yeah, yeah. According could, to the uh, scouting reports. Right. However, Jonah Hill didn't see it that way. Jonah Hill disagreed, no. Or, yeah. Um, or, or Peter Brand, I suppose. Peter who is Brand, not a real yeah. person. We'll get to that later. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, he played... He only played eight games for the Mets in the in Major League Baseball in 1985. Right. Okay. Um, and then he was traded um, to the Twins, and he was part of, like, a package deal. Like, he was not... Mm-hmm. He was not a feature of that trade. Right. Um, so, so far, if I'm correct, we're pretty much exactly on point with the movie yeah i i don't think there's really been much difference there yeah i mean just more detail here i guess yeah exactly Um, 
Yeah, and all of the stuff here for the Billy Bean, like, um, it's all sourced from Moneyball, the book. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so after he was traded to the Twins, he uh, was injured during spring training, but he still ended up playing 60 games in 1986. 60 games in the majors. In the majors, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, and his batting was 216. His batting average was 216. Uh, uh, that's not terrible, is it? That's not terrible. It's, well, we were just talking about it. Is is that that's seems yeah, I don't to be know. fine. I, that's like, yeah, that's that's okay. Yeah. Um, but he wasn't like a starting batter. He was like the second lineup. Right. Yeah. But yeah. he was a starting outfielder. Um, a lot of baseball details. <laughs> hmm. Um. Yeah. So, but in the year that he got traded, nineteen eighty six season. Um, the uh, the Mets won the World Series. <laughs> oh, jeez, like, that's kind brutal. Of, kind of stings. They went from like yeah. being last in their division to to winning the World Series. Okay, um, so they did they did get good. F- yeah, for that. And period. then they got bad again. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, and yeah, the Twins, the the tri- the team that Bean was traded to, finished second last again. So he was like always in these last place teams. Right. Um, yeah, again, 1987, most of his time in the minors, um, and then he's traded again, um, but he makes, he goes to the Detroit Tigers, where he, again, spends most of the season in the minors. Right, Um, yeah. Yeah. So, So the the idea is he's just, like, bounced around a lot, right? Yeah, basically. Um, the most notable, my, my favorite detail, and I think it was the most notable, uh, from his 1987 um, season in the minors um, is he played with uh, on a team with a guy who had like the exact same name as him um, Billy oh, Bean yeah? Billy Bean and but with no E with no E yes right Bean I see spelled like Bean. <laughs> was he and, in again I don't know either he has he has a Wikipedia page but it seems he mostly played on the minors as well um, right they played another guy on the team's last name was Rice so you you had the rice and beans outfield. Uh, did they call it that? They, it was implied as if that was the most notable thing about the season. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that they had a guy named Rice and Beans. The two yeah. beans. Yeah. Um, yeah. So 1988, things get interesting for, uh, sort of, for Billy Bean. He a uh, right. free agent, um, and he finally signs with the Oakland Athletics. Hey, um, the A's. Yeah, who in 1988 were on top of the world. Um, yeah. They they appeared in all the World Series from 1987 to 1990. Wow. Yeah. Um, and they were, but they were like a huge, uh, this is kind of where it gets kind of confusing for me because they had like a huge budget at this point. Right. One of the highest in baseball. I couldn't find the exact number, but oh, it, it was... It was hmm. one of the highest in baseball, so I don't really understand what happened there. Yeah, had they um, lose everything? <laughs> yeah, and like if it's if it was a small market team then, or wasn't a small market team then, what? Ha- I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know. Aren't there like three teams in the Bay Area? Are there? I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I think you have like the 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 Oakland A's. You have the the San Francisco Giants, and I think you also have the San Francisco Padres. Oh really? Jesus Christ! Yeah, that'll do it. 
Um, yeah. Oh no, sorry. San Diego Padres. Uh, San Diego Padres. Right. That's not similar area. close to there. No, but it's similar market area, yeah. I guess. Fairly saturated. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but yeah, yeah, he played. He played 37 games in the regular season. I don't think he appeared in the playoffs during that World Series season. Right. So he does. Does he have a ring? Do you know? I don't know. Actually, okay. I don't know. Um, 37 is not half the games. Of, they play a lot of games in baseball. Um, yeah, they play like 160-something. So right. I feel like you need to play a certain number of games. Right, yeah, yeah. And I don't I know that 37 is. is enough, but I don't know. Maybe he does. Um, but yeah, this is where his... Th- and again, we're all at this point fairly accurate to the story, um, but more detail. Except they kind of leave out the bit where like the A's were really good. Yeah, yeah. They, they yeah. well, it would be too hard to tell in that little montage that yeah, the A's exactly. were good, but he was not a part of it. It'd yeah, be very exactly. difficult to do visually. It, it would have just been too too confusing, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's a fair artistic license they took there because it does sum up his career. Well, I mean, generally. they didn't like they didn't lie about it. They just didn't touch on it. Yeah. 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 He was, yeah, traded around and uh, not an important player on any team he was on, really. Right. Um, major League, at least. I don't know. His He might have done fairly well in the minors, but um, he, after the, the World Series season, he was going to get sent down to the minors again. Um, mm-hmm. But he was, like, fucking done with the minors, apparently. So, right, yeah. I don't know. I've heard some stories that, like, minor league baseball is apparently a fucking nightmare sometimes how i go on (laughs) no just like um you know you don't get paid a lot like you get shuffled around all over the country all the time and like you know there's not a lot of fans all the time and shit it's kind of like minor league anything really yeah it's a bit of a, a slog but yeah he so instead of going to the minors he went to the gm of the Oakland Athletics, mm-hmm. who was a guy named Sandy Alderson at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and he asked Sandy Alderson if he could be hired as a scout. Um, right. Instead, clearly, uh, Sandy Alderson uh, agreed. And, um, and yeah, Billy Bean was hired as a scout for the Oakland Athletics in 1990. Right, yeah, yeah. And it seems that he was good at it. Yeah. Um, because yeah, in, in 1993, he was promoted to, uh, assistant GM. Yeah. Which, that's a uh, pretty big jump. I think seems like it, doesn't it? And this is where yeah. things start to kind of go different. I right. think. Than, yeah. Than the movie. Then what happens in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll get in, in a moment, we'll get into more of how it differs, but all like, you know. I don't think Sandy Alderson is at all in Moneyball. Um, not yeah, not in the movie at least. No. Yeah. Um, and I don't. And the the thing about the, the A's being a huge money team at a certain right. point is definitely not touched on. I, that really surprised me when I read into that. Yeah. Because um, you just get the yeah. idea that that it was never like that. Right. Um, so, but from what I understand, they got new ownership, right? Yeah, the owner of the team died in 1995. Right. Um, 
and they immediately the new owners immediately slash the budget i see dramatically right um so in order to keep up gm at the time sandy alderson uh embraced sabermetrics um to put out a competitive team which this is yeah this is this differs from the movie quite a bit because like it it kind of um it kind of shows in the movie that like you know Billy Bean brings the statistics to this team that really doesn't know what's going on or whatever, right? Exactly, yeah. This and then it's that... all like, it's all him, right? Yeah, this put, like, the movie puts all the, gives all the credit to, uh, well, all the credit for bringing the the uh, idea of sabermetrics to the A's on Billy Bean, but clearly that is not quite the case because actually it was... It, he was he was already being used before he was the GM. Yeah, and it wasn't necessarily being used to the degree like he obviously there's a reason he's known for it, and there's a reason mm-hmm. the book was written about him and not um, Sandy Alderson. But but the point is that is that that is a bit of a liberty taken with the movie. Uh, the the, yeah, the, the idea was already in in the the office of the right. athletics. Um, but you didn't have just a bunch of old guys sitting around the table <laughs> asking who Fabio was. <laughs> that's a great fucking detail i love that <laughs> who's fabio he's a shortstop in seattle <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's good this is the second time we've mentioned fabio when did we mention fabio before when do you think we mentioned fabio before oh in zoolander i thought you meant this episode no 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 no, no. <laughs> in over yeah right yeah yeah, yeah. um but <laughs> Before Fabio, we... you know, you're invited to be a guest whenever you want. Yeah, that would be great. <laughs> I don't know we'll what do we would talk about. No, but, I don't know uh... We'd have to come up with something, but still, there's... it's going to be good. The invitation's out there. Yeah. Um, so, before we go on um, with the story, um, do you want to take a second and explain to us actually some of the details of Sabermetrics? So we can get an idea of actually what th- this movie's about. Yeah. So what we're actually yeah, talking is, about here. Yeah. This is something that the movie does that is kind of interesting. It's like, it kind of doesn't really explain anything about what, um, what, what Billy Bean and Peter Brand are doing. Yeah. It, it just kind of like says like, ah, oh, you know, they're using math and stuff. Right. Yeah, which kind of elevates it a little bit in terms of like um, it. It makes it seem more, almost more like mystical. <laughs> the way yeah, exactly. Um, like just like that scene where it's just showing the uh, the the computer screens with all the numbers on them, and well, it yeah. looks so like you know. There's that one scene where they're explaining it. Yeah, and it's about well explaining ex- it. Yeah, quotes. quote unquote explaining it. Yes, yeah. ex- explain a very <laughs> vague idea of what statistics in baseball is, but yeah. Uh, anyway, so can... yeah, so um, I know not a lot about baseball. Okay, but I do know a little bit about math. <laughs> and sabermetrics is basically an approach to baseball analysis that applies math and statistics to baseball so as to sort of remove um, biased and emotional decision-making. 
then that's like the kind of the motto of well so the idea is like you, you it's it's a quantitative approach so you want to be able to basically you want to be able to measure everything that you're using to make a decision right right because the idea is like you know if if something can't be measured then it probably doesn't matter right right so this would be things like you know confidence or how subjectively attractive a player's girlfriend is <laughs> that would um, not make it into sabermetrics that that's not part of sabermetrics so right. the, the term like comes from an organization called the society for american baseball research which okay. is acronym saber okay and uh the term was coined by um one of its most famous proponents and practitioners bill james okay who is mentioned a couple times in the movie but who they don't really go into any detail about who he is no they they kind of mention him as kind of like almost like a recluse or something is kind of the vibe he's like i don't know yeah so um well he was sort of an outsider in the sense like he didn't he wasn't like part of the baseball mainstream don't they say he was like a security guard or something? Yeah, he, he, for a while he worked as a security guard at a pork and beans plant, as they say <laughs> in the in the in the movie. But right. um, I wasn't just basically that up. <laughs> he wrote a couple different books uh, about analyzing baseball, and uh, these were kind of um, uh, people they kind of caught on with a certain crowd, and uh, they were kind of you know trying to be entertaining and also talk about baseball stats. Right. So they were kind of interesting. You can kind of see Billy Bean is actually reading one of these books on the plane. Right. Okay. And where it zooms in and it shows all those, like, big equations. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Early on, um, he's getting familiar with the concept. Yeah. So essentially, like, once again, the idea is so that you can, like, anything you want to be making a decision on it's got to be something that you can measure, right? Yeah. And you got to be able to like know how all these numbers affect things like wins. A and they actually do a decent job of explaining this in in the movie. Yeah, the whole getting on base is like that that where Jonah Hill explains it in the uh, in the parking garage. Yeah, basically. So he's saying like, yeah, how you're un how you're evaluating players worth incorrectly exactly so you you don't you don't just want like a player who's like you know good or is like an all-around player basically you're you're just trying to analyze the impact that they have yeah and I so am... as a result uh there are all these these uh metrics that are sort of like more advanced metrics that they came up with such as uh like the normal way of measuring a pitcher's performance in baseball historically has been ERA. Okay. Which is earned runs average. Okay. And basically what that does is it just averages like, you know, how many people, like how many points were scored when this pitcher was pitching. So like right. how many, how many runs did he allow? Right. So that doesn't really take into account. Well, exactly. So that's a kind of a, it's kind of a problematic measurement because it it doesn't take into account the defense. Yeah, it doesn't take into account the other team at all, really, except for their their. Well, runs. I mean, it, it it doesn't 
the idea is you you want to isolate like um the fact is it it doesn't really matter who you're pitching against because that's going to average out over the course of a season right right so but what it does matter is who's the defense on your team because that's going to bias all the results for a pitcher right 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 so so if you have a really good outfield you're going to have a lower ERA uh than if that pitcher was on a different team right? right so the team actually matters it's not actually a great way of judging the pitcher individually exactly so um as a result they came out with a bunch of different metrics called like whip and dips which are acronyms that <laughs> i do not know what they stand for but they are i guess you know the i i think um yeah it's like the idea is that these try to remove the effect of the defense and try to isolate you right. know that pitcher's performance basically so is it fair to say that the criticism comes in to like how these equations are written and how they're valued what the criticism of uh of of say metrics or of stats in baseball yeah uh, both yeah i mean like how i'm a accurate? little bit biased here because obviously i i i i like the idea of sabermetrics like yeah i mean it's so, obviously if you can get a good um like system like what's the word i'm looking for a good equation i guess i don't know um and it works that's good but like aren't there well, certain so here's biases the thing. that leak in basically it doesn't need the idea the thing is it doesn't actually need to be perfect all it needs to be is better than the alternative <laughs> right because yeah i guess that's all you can do so because it's it's a competitive game right yeah so the idea is if i have if i have a metric that is gonna it's gonna help me make decisions better than the other team then that's definitely better it doesn't need to be perfect however you're always going to want to strive to make it better Even better Gotcha. gotcha. So yeah, like I understand the criticism. It's like yeah, maybe this doesn't take into account everything, but it's also like it's better than just watching it and giving it's your better best judgment. than the eye test, right? Yeah, right. So um, um, and you know this 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 way of thinking has sort of spread to other sports as well. Right, and it started so in baseball. like like in hockey, you have your XG, you have your RIPM, and you have your GSAA. <laughs> uh, Hockey's definitely more your area of expertise and mine but not yeah so i i I, I know a little bit more about hockey stats which i won't get into uh yeah and it's also (laughs) sort of more common in basketball uh it doesn't seem yet to have made any inroads at all into you know football um Uh, which is clear uh, because uh basically some people have done some analysis saying that like you know you should you should never punt on fourth and goal but like everybody always does it anyway Right, because the odds are you're. It's the 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 expected like value of doing that, like the points you'll get from it, are like more than the disadvantage you'll get if you screw up. Right. <laughs> so on average, you will get more points if you if the sorry the average point differential will be better for you if you go for it on fourth and goal instead of punting. Right. But that's that's just my little soapbox here, uh. <laughs> right? But you know, man, that just that's you can't 
in game to game situation, you can't play like that, man. Yeah, uh, I don't know. <laughs> You're taking the heart out of baseball, man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I I I I I understand like some of the criticisms, but like frankly, I I, I just think a lot of people. I mean. This is probably going to offend some people, but, you know, I think a lot of people who, who don't like sabermetrics just don't fucking understand it. That's kind of that's kind of what I seem to... I mean, I don't really understand it, but I, I, mean, I neither understand do I, the but, ideas behind yeah. it, and it just seems... Well, how could that not be better? Also, like, you know... I mean, I think that's that's also, like, the, the that's the position that this movie takes. Oh, this movie, yeah, it's very editorial. Is that, in that like sense. this movie is very pro sabermetrics analytics? Like, if you're yeah. not doing it, you're just being a dumbass. Yeah, and I mean, it's for the or sake of you don't of understand the, it. It's for the sake of the narrative in the movie, obviously. Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't think they're necessarily they have any uh, any any skin in the game or whatever. Uh, right. About actually whether or not. It, how it's taken they just it, it was good for the narrative so they 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 right. wholly embrace that angle is that my that's what i would say at least yeah i, I actually uh, maybe we'll get to this later but i, I kind of wonder what billy bean thought about this after having seen the movie it, it, he felt like vindicated by like the fact yeah. that the movie like backed his perspective so heavily well when the and pilot... I, I think it definitely like made some inroads into like you know public thinking on that that idea the movie did yeah it, like you mean it it changed major league sports well no i don't think the movie so much changed sports as it changed what the public perception of analytics was oh right yeah it gave it a more positive more um like i think what changed sports was the a's winning right yeah exactly <laughs> like yeah. not winning the world series but winning so many games right yeah um yeah the 20 game win streak in the movie yeah and and doing that on such a small budget, right? Yeah, that's exactly. That's that's the point um, of the whole thing. Is this yeah. is the budget difference? That's why um, they call it Moneyball. <laughs> exactly. That's why it's called Moneyball. Yeah. Because you're buying runs. Um, <laughs> but yeah, after yeah. the after the book came out, I know I don't know about the movie, but after the book came out, Billy Bean was pretty annoyed because. Oh yeah. Because. Um, like annoyed at the book well not necessarily at the book at like the the effect it had because like you know well i guess we'll we'll get into it right now um after after we mentioned like the the, the ace cut the budget um mm. the old gm sandy alderson left in 1997 and was replaced by billy bean right um and then there's that 2002 season that the movie's about right um where they won the consecutive games 20 consecutive games which actually happened um yep you can look it up on on fucking baseball reference and yeah you can the book came out in 2003 um so, so right afterwards basically right afterwards and billy bean was obviously still a gm so when the book mm. came out um people didn't really want to trade with him because ah uh, i see they were like assuming that they were losing every trade <laughs> right because they're like he's got i mean this... that was probably true 
could have been true, yeah. But then, yeah. Like, he's got this higher power that, like, <laughs> I can't, I'm not going to trade with him. I'm yeah. going to lose. So he more thought, like, the book was, like, revealing his secrets or whatever. Kind of. I don't know. It just tainted yeah. the waters. It gave people a preconception right. uh, of trading with him. And he right. was not happy about that. Um, yeah. Which I can understand. It kind of ruined his situation a little bit. Yeah. Blew up his spot. Um, right. But yeah, this is also this kind of just before that period is where it again differs from the movie, mm-hmm. um, very significantly. So you wanna you wanna get into what kind of things they changed? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. I mean, specifically, um, nineteen ninety nine. Right. Uh, so basically, there was this. This guy named Paul De Podesta, um, who graduated from Harvard, uh, and he was hired from the Cleveland Indians front office. Now that might sound a little bit like one of the characters in this movie. Uh, <laughs> so Jonah Hill's character, Peter Brand, he he went to Yale for economics. Yeah, um, and he was also from the Cleveland Indians. Um, similarities there's some similarities some, there. some similarities yeah 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 um so basically um the one of the differences in the movie is that like first of all paul de podesta is not in it not at because all because he's been replaced by this character named peter brand yeah and we'll get into why later but <laughs> yeah but yeah needless to say he's not in the movie so from from then until 2003 basically like the uh the A's made the playoffs every year. Um, yeah. And then we got into that. During this they had the 2002 season where they won 20 consecutive games. Yeah. Set the record. So the movie period. Yeah. Um I just want to point out that that's the American League record though, not the Major League Baseball record. Right. What's the Major League Baseball record? I I I don't know what the uh Major League, I I just I just noticed that when they uh, when they said in the movie they said they set the American League record, um, which is which made me realize because they didn't say in baseball they said American League, which made me think. Um, I think the actual record is twenty one, which would be some team in the National League. Right, pretty close. <laughs> so yeah, the book comes out two thousand three. Um... And uh, Sony is on that shit, acquires the film rights in 2004. So they... They uh, smelled money in the water. <laughs> well, the money's in the title. Come on. Exactly. Um, <laughs> now, I think... I'm trying to... Like, was that the first Michael Lewis book movie adaptation? Well, I mean... I think the blind side came out before it, but I I, I don't think that they were uh blind side. No, the blind side came out in 2006. No, the the book did? Yeah. No, I'm saying the movie did came out before this one. Oh, right. Yeah, the movie the So blind it's like side. they might have started making the movie before it, but it didn't actually get finished. Right, right, until. right. That's kind of funny. Or at least they bought the rights, right? Yeah. That's kind of funny. The blind side. So, like, yeah, in between, yeah. So, actually, this will kind of like illustrate how how much work went into like how many things changed during the production of this movie. Is yeah. that 
it is uh, Michael Lewis writes a book in 2003. Immediately, the film rights are bought. And then in the intervening time, Michael Lewis writes another book that gets <laughs> adapted into a movie before this movie's made. Yeah, it kind of it, it does show you kind of the a little bit of the hell we're about to explore in the production exactly. of this movie. Um, yeah, 2004 to 2010, that's a pretty long turnaround for a movie. Yeah. Uh, so they acquire the film rights. Um, this first run of the script is written by a guy named Stan Chervin. Um, right. He doesn't have a hell of a lot of credits to his name. He's um, he's written a movie about Clifford the Big Red Dog that's coming out in a couple of months. Oh wow, I'm excited. Yeah, that'll be good. That'll be good. Um, is it is it animated? I didn't check. I fucking hope so, or else it's going to be. I don't know what they're going to do. Clifford would have to be animated no matter what. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> We just start. I don't want to see. I honestly don't want to see a live action. Clifford the Big Red Dog. Hot take. I don't want to see a live action Clifford the Big Red Dog movie. Um, but the, so then they hire um, a guy who you may not, may or may not know, Stephen Zalian or Zillian. I think it's Zalian. The name sounds familiar. Um, gonna... He won an Oscar for Schindler's oh, List. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's written some movies. Gangs of New York, I think he co-wrote. Oh yeah. Um he didn't win an Oscar for that, but he won an Oscar for Schindler's List. Um Naturally. So he he comes on and then they get a director, they get a guy named David Frankel. Okay. Um who made Marley and Me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and two Meryl <laughs> Streep films. Hmm. So, you know, he can work with talent. Right. <laughs> um, similar time period that David uh, David Frankel comes on is when Brad Pitt. Um, so this is around two thousand eight. So yeah, legend. <laughs> I don't think legend. I need to say that actually. No, nah, it's implied. I think people know who Brad Pitt is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he needs no introduction. Yeah. Um, but already we've gone from two thousand four to two thousand eight. So this like. Yeah, I feel like not a lot was happening for most of it. Yeah, I think because I think they film studios do this a lot, where they just buy up the rights to something that they think might have legs. And then yeah, I mean we'll they want to stop anybody else from doing it, right? Yeah, we'll get to it when we have a moment. Yeah. So they get Brad Pitt um, in two thousand eight. He signs on for fifteen million dollars. Wow. Fucking enormous That's amount of fucking money. nuts. How, how much money must Brad Pitt fucking have at this point? I don't know. This is fifteen million in two thousand eight. Yeah. And this Wait, is like... I wonder how that works. Actually, do, do you get paid fifteen million up front, or is it fifteen million once the movie comes comes out? As far as I understand, like if there's like you can sign contracts where you get paid totally up front. You can get contracts where you get certain royalty. Right, like, right, right, right. Just ones I've read about so far. Doing, but this, I'm just wondering, like you know when the payout happens like because like if you have 15 million dollars for like four extra years right you can invest that shit and make more money right you mean like when does he get paid when does he get paid i wonder yeah it probably that's a good question yeah probably when they're sure they're making the movie <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> um yeah but then interestingly 2009 um 
uh, David Frankel is out. Director one is out. Mm. Um, and supposedly this is a, um, from entertainmentweekly.com. This is a quote. Um, sources tell EW.com that Pitt parted ways with Frankel after he screened Marley and me on the Sony lot and met with the director <laughs> during the week of the Golden Globes. Wow. <laughs> you know so, that's brutal when like you show somebody your movie and then they fire you. <laughs> Like that's, I mean, I don't know. We don't know that that's what happened, but that's definitely the implication of that article. Yeah, it's just like, oh yeah, I don't like it actually. Is that? I mean, to be fair, like, <laughs> like I, I feel I've, like you should have screened somebody further if that's the case. Yeah, like I've never like, seen. If that's the case, I feel like Sony didn't do their research. Exactly. Well, uh, Marley <laughs> and Me came out, I think, in two thousand six, or no, right. no, it must have come out in two thousand nine or two thousand eight. Um, but. It's definitely a very different tone. I mean, I've never, I don't think I've ever seen it, but as far as, it's definitely a different tone. It's, I'm, I don't think you have to have seen it to say it's a different tone. Right, yeah. It's not this. Like, Brad Pitt was saying, like, in the tone, he said, like, they were going for something, like, a little bit more commercial, like, more funny, I guess. Um, right. I mean, yeah. And, uh, when he was reading the book, uh, he, he said he became obsessed with, with the, with the deeper meaning and, and, and a value system that was out of whack. So I, I think he kind of really, really took an interest uh, in, in this movie um, and, yeah, and really seems, got it uh, moving forward. It seems so. Yeah. It seems that he was, he was very on board and we'll, we'll learn more about just how into right. it he was. I don't know how into baseball. I don't he, know. He but is, I mean, but... it is hard not to be romantic about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he said those words. Um, yeah. So there you go. So after director one um, leaves, director number two comes in, and I believe you know who director number two is. Steven Soderbergh. Steven Soderbergh. Um, he comes in. Yeah, I don't know how, how you feel about Steven Soderbergh, but I, I, I quite like him. I, I wouldn't say I quite like him. I like him. Let me just mm. read through some of his movies, and then I'll give you a more definitive, right? Definitive answer on whether or not I like him. All right, I haven't really seen most of these. All right, there's Aaron Brockovich is in there. I've seen that. Um, yeah, there's the Ocean's movies. That's right. He did all those. Um, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Everyone knows him as um, the director of Magic Mike. Right. Okay, so it's a pretty... He's got a pretty eclectic... Uh, yeah, he's kind of all over the place, but... Uh... Of the, I, ooh, he did Logan Lucky. I really like that movie. Yeah, that's a good movie. That's a really good movie. Uh, we should do that yeah. movie sometime. Um, yeah, maybe. <laughs> so, yeah, he, he he's definitely um, not tied down by... He doesn't have, like, much of a... a a persona or an atmosphere necessarily. Right. Um, but he definitely had an idea for what he, he wanted this movie to be. Um, mm -hmm. He did an interview with a website called suicidegirl.com. Do you want to read uh, his quote from, from that interview? Okay. He says, I like the idea of somebody who is willing to behave in a way that proper society views as transgressive and then parlays that into access. 
I think that's a really interesting idea. And why shouldn't they? If that's their only way in, that's important to them. I'm not saying it should be, but it's important to them and that's their way in. Then great. But you're right. There is a sort of renegade ethos in play. I don't know whether I could ever do a gangster movie, but I mean, you kind of did. But uh, there are a couple things I'm going on, I'm working on that are absolutely at play. I mean, look, I'm getting ready to do Moneyball, and it's front and center in the movie. So yeah, he, he was he was talking about it. I don't know what movie he was talking about, but the character he was talking about initially was like uh, a prostitute from a different movie, I think. Right. Yeah. Um. But yeah, he did eventually do kind of a kind of a gangster movie later on. But yeah, definitely. that was after after this. Um, yeah. And then um, he was obviously because he was being interviewed and he had mentioned Moneyball. Um, mm-hmm. They asked him, like, well, it's obviously pretty fucking difficult to dramatize a book that's about baseball statistics. Yeah, exactly. Um, which is an excellent question. <laughs> Um, but in that, in response to that, he said, uh, yeah, but I think we have a way in making it visual and making it funny. I want it to be really funny and entertaining. And I want you to not realize how much information is being thrown at you because you're having fun. We found a couple of ideas on how to bust the form a bit in order for all that information to reach you in a way that's a little oblique. Right. Okay. I mean, that, that's interesting. Uh, I wouldn't say that the final version of this movie was like like a funny movie, although there were parts that were pretty funny. There were yeah, there were parts that were funny, but they were more incidentally yeah. funny. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. Um And but, I mean most of them was uh, like Jonah Hill, I guess. Yeah. Just like <laughs> his um his sort of responses to questions and things yeah. like that. His awkward <laughs> responses to stuff. Yeah. Do you, do you want me to speak when when you point at me? Yeah, when when I point at you, yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm Peter Brent. <laughs> um but yeah, so there is actually some details of that vision that definitely kind of maintained after he left the project, but mm. definitely not the uh really funny yeah um, aspect. Mhm. And definitely not. In order to like attain that goal, they hired uh, Dimitri Martin, comedian Dimitri Martin, to play uh, Paul D. Podesta. Okay. So at this point, Paul D. Podesta is a character. Okay. He's written into the movie as himself, mm. and they hire comedian Dimitri Martin to play him. Okay, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I know who Dimitri Martin is. Do oh, you don't know Dimitri Martin? He's I he, might maybe if I he's pretty funny. Um, he does. He's he's that guy who does. He always has stand up with like a guitar. Um, not always, but that's one of his bits. Oh, he looks familiar. I've definitely seen him. He's pretty funny. I'd check out his stand up. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah. He does a lot of like one liners. Anyway, um, it's definitely a very different vibe. I know Jonah Hill comes from comedy as well, but it's yeah. a, a very different brand of comedy. Different vibe I would say. for sure, yeah. Um, and then additionally, uh, they they have. The actual um, David Justice, Scott Hat- Hatterberg, and the actual H- Hatterberg? Hatterberg, yeah, I think so. Scotty H, pick a machine. Scotty H, and the real Art <laughs> Howe. So, so they were. Yeah, uh, that seemed a little odd. Like, like given how like I think Art Howe doesn't come off looking great in this movie. 
no, he's really like not... I think it would have been odd to have the real guy there playing him. Well, at least in the iteration that they had planned that or that it ended <laughs> yeah, up being. Yeah, I, I don't know how it would have how it would have been then. Maybe he comes off better in in the Soderbergh period, but yeah, I don't I'm know. not sure. So you have these guys like playing themselves as actors, which right off the bat to me seems like a bad idea. Yeah, no, generally athletes, you know, do not really transition to acting well. No, I mean, there's some notable, exceptions. Notable but... exception being Dwayne, Dwayne the Rock Johnson. <laughs> Dwayne um, the Rock Johnson, Terry Crews. Terry Crews, yeah. Um, who else? A few other people. Um, yeah, there's not many. <laughs> yeah, it, it generally doesn't go well. And I don't know that um, either of the people we just mentioned are going to be winning Oscars anytime soon for no. their acting. Maybe. I'd, I'd, maybe I speak too soon. Maybe. I mean, uh, you don't know what The Rock is working on. Man. Yeah, the, the Rock, I wouldn't can, be surprised. Can you smell career. what The Rock is cooking? <laughs> <laughs> I honestly wouldn't be surprised if we get a, a, a Rock Oscar at some point. Uh, I, I think it's inevitable. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah. glad we're on the same page about about that. Um, but yeah, so they have these three guys. Actually, oh yeah, Art Howe is the co- the manager. I we should probably yeah, should yeah. mention that. That's, that's, that's true. Art Howe is the manager. Was he a player at any point? Do you know? I don't know if he right. was a player. Right. Um. But yeah, they also David Justice and Scott Hadberg, obviously in the movie, right. are characters in the movie, baseball players. Mm-hmm. Um. But they also hire the real Daryl Strawberry and the real Lenny uh, Dykstra. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's Dykstra. Dykstra, I think is how you pronounce it. He's a star, right? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, they hire those two guys uh, to to do like documentary sit-down interviews. Right. About Billy Bean. Do you know if they ever, if they ever actually conducted those? No, I don't think they actually did the interviews. They ever okay. filmed it. That's a bit of a shame. I could be wrong with that. Uh, we should look into it. Maybe we can find yeah, something. That yeah, maybe cool. we can find them. But as far as I know, they never did that. But that's definitely all, again, hugely, massively different. Hugely, massively is a bit of a... Yeah. So, so at this point... structure, but, you know. Yeah. At this point, this is like 2008, 2009, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we're still a couple years out from from the actual movie. Yeah, we're we're not like there's still like a whole world of hell that production yeah, has to go through. So much stuff has yet to happen. They, yeah, they haven't even started fi- like f- they don't have a date to film yet, I don't think. Right. Um I well I guess what late 2009 or mid 2009. What was it? Like July. It was July of 2009 they were going to start filming. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um and yeah, so they're like the Sonberg also they they had plans to film several games, like actual Oakland A's games. Right. Uh for like just some footage, but they didn't actually have any plans to film ex- with extras at the Coliseum. Like I don't think they were going to go that angle. Oh yeah? Okay. Cuz I think in this in the in the final movie they did have that, didn't they? They I think they did, yeah. Well, yeah. they definitely did. I know they did. They um Yeah. We'll talk about it a bit. Um, but yeah, so again, that's why it's kind of different. They didn't, they, they weren't really going to approach the actual baseball angle in this version, it seems as well, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
wasn't going to be a lot of footage of actual baseball. Right. So I mean, seemed... there wasn't that much in this game, actually. And sorry, in this movie. No, actually. very little, but even less, yeah. it seems. Okay. Hmm. Um, Interesting. Yeah, so you've got that. It's just a strange movie that's kind of... It would have been interesting to see how this movie turned out. Yeah, um, definitely. But you've got a funny movie with Dimitri Martin, Paul de Podesta. Um, and then you have actual ball players playing themselves. Yeah. Weird. And then sit down interviews like about Billy Bean, like documentary style interviews. I just, I, that is the part that really kind of gets me. I don't know how that uh, yeah, fits I really into all this. But anyway, as we know, this, um, this iteration did not come to fruition. Yeah. Um, Obviously it got axed at some point. <laughs> It got axed eight days before filming was supposed to begin. Really? Eight days. Yeah, this is what makes me think that, like, you know, maybe uh, fucking Hollywood doesn't have their shit together. I, I don't know why you would ever think that they did. They clearly don't have anything together. It's a fucking yeah. shit show <laughs> down there. <laughs> like, <laughs> it seems like a disaster. Yeah, that's just fucking brutal. <laughs> So, so why why did they cancel it? Uh, so apparently they canceled it because Soderberg. Soderberg. Uh, Soderberg. I don't know why I always call him Soderberg. It's because you wrote in the notes here, so- Soderberg. <laughs> <laughs> just, I just fixed that. Thanks. <laughs> I probably did that a lot. I wrote his name. Oh, I did. I did it so many times. Yeah, you did it a couple times. Yeah. Okay, Soderberg. That's hilarious. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yay. So he produced a version of the script last minute, I guess eight mm-hmm. days or so before they were set to film. Uh, a version still written by uh, Zalian, but okay. um, Soderbergh brought it, brought it forward. Um, and it allegedly it included many more baseball details. Right. And that's kind of the, the gist of it is what it seems. It's just way more heavy on the baseball all of a sudden right yeah um executives were not down yeah naturally Um, i can i can imagine how a super baseball heavy movie would uh alienate a couple people especially when you've you've already put like however million dollars you've promised something like 60 million dollars yeah to make this movie and then all of a sudden it's like oh no wait it's gonna be way more about baseball um, yeah, and baseball movies historically don't do well outside of the American market. I, I wonder why. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, the phrase "too arty" uh, yeah came up a couple times. But I don't know, maybe they just meant Art Howe was in it too much. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, it's a little bit too arty. You can see him yeah, all the it's, time. It's too much Art Howe. We should, we should reduce the amount by replacing um, him with a real actor. Yeah. Uh, and they did. <laughs> yeah, they definitely did. Um, a real actor. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, but yeah, someone, apparently a source close to the production told Gawker, um, since when does an authentic film translate as an art film? Um, so Not sure what that means. I'm not sure what that means. It kind of just seems like art too arty was just kind of arbitrarily given yeah. to it. I don't know. There's not right. a lot of information. I'd like to read his this script that he brought forward. 
<laughs> so I can just yeah. See so I, I, if, the... if if I'm like, he's laughing because I uh, I'm I'm fixing his spelling mistakes in the Google Doc. <laughs> There's so many. Um, but yes, uh, Soderbergh would not budge. He was not. They 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 tried to like be like, look, this is alienating. We can't do this. Mm-hmm. But he was like, nope. Um, and then it caused the top Sony executive. I think she was chairman of Sony at the time, Amy Pascal. She declared right. Her... She just got kind of kind of nervous with this Soderbergh situation and. Uh... Yeah, and decided to kick him out the door. Yeah, she got pissed off, called herself apoplectic. Oh yeah, and fired him. Right. Yeah. I mean, I I can imagine like if if a director is just being like you know, he keeps getting all these suggestions and he just doesn't want to compromise. Like you know. Yeah. I can see how that would be like really annoying. Yeah, especially especially again, you've got sixty million dollars going into it. Yeah. And this is like you know. And, and he wants to like film fucking baseball players as actors. Exactly, it's already it's questionable. Yeah, it's it's I I can definitely see why this this idea came to an end. Yeah. So, but so like I said, they turn into limit limited to turnaround, um, mm-hmm. which means that it gives the the uh, filmmakers an opportunity to like shop it around to other studios who might want to pay for it instead. Um, oh, okay. So before they, before they got rid of, before they redid the idea, you're saying they, uh, they offered it to other studios instead. I think I think Soderbergh left before that. I think he was oh, like, okay. "There's no version of this project uh, I'm going to be able to make to my vision, right. so I'm leaving." Right. Um, so they then, took what they had and they tried to sell it. Basically, basically, yeah. But nobody was biting. <laughs> Yeah. So I Sony mean, this was already seems like a nightmare. I don't know why at this point. At yeah. this point, I don't know why anybody would be interested in making this film. No. It's a film about uh about baseball stats. Uh <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, <laughs> it and just also, doesn't grab my attention immediately. Exactly. About baseball stats, um you're talking about an expensive movie where you're paying Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt 15, 15 million, million dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Um and according to Brad Pitt's agent, um, it was uh, her, his agent at the time. I don't know if it's his agent now, um, but the project was turned down due to the economic state at the time. Right. Yeah. 2008, 2009, I guess that was the middle of the uh, financial crisis. Yeah, exactly. And Michael Lewis uh, was busy writing another book about that. Yeah. So like, it kind of makes sense that, that nobody was that interested. <laughs> Yeah, um, but yeah. It does. It doesn't seem like a, uh, a a you know lock for box office success. Nope, not at all. Um, and I mean, I guess Brad Pitt is helpful to have around, but no, yeah, sure. And I mean, it seems at this point that he was pretty convinced that uh, this movie was was worth making. Yeah, he's still on it. He's still in it. He's been through two directors, and he was really yeah. bummed when the movie got cut. And he said, uh, "I'm a sucker for injustice stories." Um, and right. wanted to write the injustice. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah that's, I'm not that's necessarily good. sure how much that captures the movie that got made. I wouldn't necessarily. Well, no, I, 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 I get, I get what he's, what he's getting at, because like, there's that one scene where he's like, you know, 
you know, the problem that we're trying to solve is that there are rich teams and there are poor teams. Right. Then there's 50 feet of crap, and then there's us. And then there's us. But also, he didn't fault Sony, you know? He said the numbers No, I'm clearly... sure he understands the uh, the financials of it all at yeah. this point. Yeah, and, and he so, had... But I'm wondering, is did he have his $15 million yet? I <laughs> doubt he did. Yeah. <laughs> I doubt he had maybe I don't know because I mean like if you'd already given me my 15 million dollars then I'd be pretty happy to just sit around and wait for however long it's gonna take yeah exactly um, <laughs> like, <laughs> but yeah they were so close to filming that you know the MLB had already signed signed off on the on the script you know because obviously they have right. to approve everything um, yeah well I mean they're shooting in Major League Baseball ballparks and everything right yeah so they definitely need approval. Yeah. So that is basically it stalls there for a while. Expectedly. Yeah. Um it kind of people assumed it was stuck in production hell, which is a real right. place. <laughs> it's true. I've been there. <laughs> I think we have a film that's there right now, in fact. Yeah, we have a film that's uh that's that's sorta in, in there right now. Yeah. Um <laughs> But nothing happens until March uh, of 2010 when um, it's announced that Jonah Hill has joined the project um, and that Brad Pitt's still attached. Okay. Cool. So Dimitri... It's a good sign. Dimitri Martin's out. Brad Pitt's still in it. Okay. And then... But then this is where it gets kind of interesting. You have... Paul D. Podesta um, petitioned, petitions the producers to get his name taken off the Jonah Hill character. Oh, really? He, this is as soon as Jonah Hill was cast? As soon as he was cast. Really? So he was on board up until that? Yeah. Um, so the article I read about it very unceremoniously suggested that it was because Podesta, uh, D. Podesta was unhappy because Jonah Hill was fat. Um, oh yeah, but uh, that I mean that was just a tabloid fucking article. So it could yeah. have been that just like he saw a new rewrite that just he he said that he said the character was just fictitious and just didn't resemble him at all. So he wasn't comfortable right. having his name on it. Okay, so he he didn't want to be associated with that. Yeah, but it seems again he was fine until Jonah Hill's uh, iteration. Yeah, I don't know. It just seems like I don't know that. It kind of makes it seem like you just don't want to. You just don't want to be associated with Jonah Hill, or he doesn't like Jonah Hill, or it's something. Kind of what it seems like, and I mean, yeah. at the time, you know, Jonah Hill. What had he done right? Just I mean, then? I guess Jonah Hill was a bit of a joke at the time. Superbad was like the, he, his most. He, 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 Superbad was his biggest movie at the time. Yeah, and like yeah. we sh- we should do and, that movie at one point because that is a brilliant movie. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Solid, solid fucking solid movie. Yeah, um, but like, yeah. Definitely, like he is—he's a bit of a dickhead. In that he's movie. a bit of a dickhead, and he's like you know, yeah, he's not necessarily who you'd expect to be paired next. To, like it was a big shock, I think, when he got cast. I think the whole yeah, it's true. Like, um, I feel like if somebody told me like at the time, like, um, oh yeah, we 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 hired a new actor to play you. It's it's the kid from Superbad, <laughs> and you're like, what? I'm of like, <laughs> which I'd be like, which one? <laughs> <laughs> and then they'd be like, "Yeah, it's Jonah Hill." I'll be like, oh, "Fuck." Yeah, I mean, for me or you, obviously, it would be Michael Sarah, but 
Yeah, definitely. But, <laughs> but yeah, if it was, if someone told you it was Jonah Hill and you're expecting Michael Sarah, you'd be. Yeah, exactly. You'd be surprised. <laughs> I'd be a little. I'd be a little uh, surprised. Yeah. yeah. So Amy Pascal, who I mentioned earlier, was the chair chairwoman of Sony mm-hmm. at the time. Um, and she gets very involved at this point. I mean, she might have been um pretty involved up until this point as well, but she gets really involved at this point. Right. Um Yeah. Well, I mean she was involved enough to fire Steven Soderbergh. Yeah. Um hold on. My dog is getting into my lap and she might step on some Yeah. Oh she did not. Well done. Um so yeah, she Amy Pascal, she she hires writer Aaron Sorkin. Um, oh yeah, because absolute legend. <laughs> is he an absolute legend? <laughs> I think he's an absolute legend. Right. Well, he... there's no question about his legendary right. status. Um, well, at the time, he had just turned in a script for the Social Network. Um, oh which yeah, they liked the script a lot. I think that movie came out after Moneyball, or maybe the same year even, but. Um, around the same time yeah um but they really like that script what do you know him from what's your reference point for him uh i don't know he's just his name he's comes got up such a, lot. a fucking big career well, like he's uh he wrote a lot of broadway stuff yeah um he did like a how to the kill a mockingbird um mm-hmm. broadway did a few other things as well i don't remember specifically yeah but he was replacing theoretically an absolute legend already oh yeah but oscar winner the guy who was who had been writing the script up to this point won the oscar for schindler's list so right yes he's he um very interesting uh in interaction between the two writers here um so aaron sorkin reached out to zalian um to get his blessing he was like i'm not gonna work on the script oh, until yeah? zalian uh yeah oh yeah yeah like writer to writer yeah like let's uh you know um <laughs> that's funny so yeah so he calls him up apparently um and he is alien rather begrudgingly it seems gives his blessing um but he said to Sorkin, quote unquote, he said, uh, listen, do me a favor. Don't change the movie. Just write more of it. <laughs> <laughs> Not exactly sure what that means. Yeah. He, I don't. All right. If whatever. If what, he also said, if what they're looking for is for you to add something um, and that's how it was being advertised to me. Um, that's the difference. That's different than reconstructing something right i see take so he just kind of wanted to know that they they weren't just ditching that they weren't gonna like tear down his idea of the movie yeah um okay so but did is this this is the same writer who wrote the uh the draft that got soderbergh fired yeah zillian wrote the zillian wrote the okay did he do a rewrite between that and now yes okay he did he wrote some more stuff he was still involved um right yeah but uh he also said of that conversation between the two writers i thought this was hilarious he said what i remembered most about the conversation 
um, was when I asked him what he'd do if I was calling to tell him what he was telling me. Um, without much hesitation, he said, I'd burn the studio down. <laughs> so, so um, Aaron Sorkin said he'd burn the studio down. Yeah, so he's very aware of the dynamic here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why he uh, he made sure to get his blessing on that. Yeah. Um, but again, it seems like Zalian was never totally happy with the arrangement, but he, he went along with right. it. Right, but he begrudgingly accepted. Yeah. But they never worked together, but they traded drafts right. and added stuff. Right. Um, yeah. But they never worked together. Um, okay. So all this is happening, uh, like, kind of up front. Um, well, more about Jonah Hill, but um, stuff happening behind the scenes. There's, like, kind of a power shift where uh, Amy Pascal brings Brad Pitt um, into the production end of things. Um, mm-hmm. His his production company plan b entertainment which he started with jennifer aniston um in like 2003 or something um right made a lot of movies they made troy uh oh they yeah made moneyball um while well, they co-made obviously production companies do that um what else did they do fuck i forget but they did they did a couple movies that have actually made it to the oscars um right yeah yeah um and then also, we'll mention him before, and we've, we'll mention him again, I'm sure. The notorious biggest asshole in Hollywood, Scott Rudin, joins the project as executive producer. Okay. So, we still don't know what he did, though. What he did in this movie? No, we've never... I, he, yeah. I think all he does is make phone calls and connects people. Right. Okay. Like, uh, so, presumably, he did something on this movie. Yeah. And enough to give himself a credit. Yeah, money flows through him, as far as right. I understand. <laughs> I see. I don't know. I don't really know what he does. So, so he had some some nebulous contribution to this film. Yeah. Um, okay. But yeah, but both Brad Pitt and Amy Pascal credit each other with reviving the film. Um, okay. Pascal said Pitt was, quote unquote, the soul and spirit of this movie. He is the yeah. He seems pretty excited. Like, I mean, it's been what about this whole he's thing? He's been involved for like four years at this point. <laughs> yeah, he easily. <laughs> he could just have wants walked. to get it done. He easily could have walked, but he wanted to see it through. She said, he... "Yeah, well, that also makes me wonder. It's like you know, once again, the fifteen million dollars. Did he already have it? <laughs> yeah, he probably did. I mean, it's true. Like, it, 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 I wouldn't walk away from fifteen million. No, no, probably not." <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, she also said he is the driving force behind it in all of its troubled times and, and all the best times he championed it all the mm. way and never lost heart. I see. Pretty dramatic way of phrasing Sort of it. like how he never lost trust in the process. Exactly. <laughs> it mirrors his character a lot. Exactly. <laughs> Weird. So is Brad Pitt the Billy Bean of, <laughs> of, of, of the Moneyball the movie? production? Yes, I yeah. would say Brad Pitt is the Billy Bean of the production of the movie Moneyball. Who, who's the Peter Brand? <laughs> Amy Pascal. Okay, I see. You have it. Joan Hill is, <laughs> does not come into it. Yeah, no, I don't think so. Um, He's just in it. Pitt's response... He's David Justice. Yeah, exactly. The actual David Justice. 
<laughs> um, Pitt's response, or Brad Pitt's response was, uh, I was just glad they didn't scuttle it. <laughs> oh, okay. So he's probably talking about that $15 million. Yeah. He, 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 he wanted to get his money. Um, so, but they're still directorless um, at this point. Mm-hmm. So Brad Pitt is talking to his friend, Catherine Keener, um, who's mm-hmm. an actress. I don't know if you know her. I don't, I don't know. I probably, I'm going to Google her real quick. She's known for playing quote unquote disgruntled and melancholic yet sympathetic women in independent films. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I think you'd recognize her face. Her, I recognize her name. Yeah. She looks it, but, familiar. Um, anyway she suggested um bennett miller to brad pitt oh yeah um and as we mentioned uh bennett miller is notoriously picky um did we mention that yeah we mentioned it earlier when we were talking about okay briefly because we were like he hadn't um he his uh right because he he didn't do a lot of movies yeah his filmography is so small yet he's so acclaimed um yeah exactly so the last well yeah once again it's like you know when you've already achieved so much yeah why why bother what what how else can you best yourself um so yeah so then that's when bennett miller comes into the picture um there's definitely a lot more to the production here yeah um but before we go any further, why don't we take a little break and talk about something else? Yeah? Uh, what, what, what do you think we might want to talk about? Uh, uh, <laughs> you know? I don't know. Where, I don't know. where are we? Well, I don't know. Well, do you hear that? No, I, I, there's something, yeah. There, sounds like there's a fight going on somewhere. Oh, yeah? A fight to the death. <laughs> Yeah, so, um, I, you want to talk about Six Degrees of Stardraft? Let's do it. Alright, cool. So, uh, welcome to Six Degrees of Star Trek. Uh, this is the segment, um, in which we discuss how this movie relates to Star Trek, how it connects to Star Trek via the actors and, uh, production staff, in it um and yeah i'm 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 quite excited for this one yeah so actually today i decided that we were going to do things a little bit differently cool cool so normally i just try to connect to the star trek universe in general okay but you know uh today just a star trek episode came to mind that would have just been so perfect that I had to connect everything directly to this one episode. Yes, and if you're at all familiar with Star Trek, then you're probably familiar with the episode that Jake is talking about. Yeah, so um, the episode in question is uh, the seventh season episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, Take Me Out to the Holosuite. <laughs> This is an episode in which uh, Captain Sisko and the um, the senior staff of Deep Space Nine come together to form a baseball team. Yep. 
to beat a team of all Vulcans who is uh, run by one of Cisco's like uh, rivals from the Academy. Yeah. Who is a, uh, did I say they were all Vulcan? Yeah. Yeah. He's Vulcan. Yeah. He's a Vulcan dickhead. And so if you, if you know anything about the character of uh, Captain Cisco, um, he loves baseball. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's got a baseball on his desk that he's always playing yeah. with. And like, he's always like playing baseball with his son. Um, it comes and, up a couple uh, times. It, it comes up quite, quite a few times. Um, and so obviously he was greatly offended by the idea that, you know, the Vulcans would be able to best him at baseball. Well, yeah, he's challenged to a, a game of baseball. So uh, you watched this episode. Yeah, it's a great episode. Um, it's yeah, uh... it's definitely <laughs> like a bit uh, antithetical to what Moneyball stands for. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Although somehow it, it, it captures the same mood. The mood is very similar. Um, but it's like the actual text of what it is saying is quite different. It's, yeah, its message is very. I think Cisco would not have supported Moneyball. Yeah, I, I don't think Cisco is a big fan of sabermetrics. No, if clearly not. Worth. Um, although I'm pretty sure that the Vulcans used it. Oh, they must have. There's no way they could have fielded a team that good without using sabermetrics. Exactly. Um, uh, he. So much of what he what he talks about in that episode, Cisco talks about in that episode, is like the heart of of baseball and to, to truly be good at it. Yeah, you have to have heart. and there's just one there's just one part where he's like, "I don't want a computer calling a baseball game or something like yeah, that." Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah, which is like... I don't want a computer calling a baseball game. It's like, well, yeah. I mean, we kind of do these days. Well, what do you mean? Because he was talking about, like, the umpires, right? Yeah, he was talking about actually making the calls. Yeah, but, I mean, like, umpires still make the calls. It's just on TV they show the the actual Yeah, thing. I mean, we're getting closer. So you can see at home when the umpire's wrong. We're definitely getting closer and closer in Major League Sports to that being the case, though. Yeah. To, like... God, I cannot wait until the day that they can do that. <laughs> seriously, get the fucking refs out of there. <laughs> yeah, Um. so I have three connections to this episode to this very episode Fuck yeah and so um I'm, I'm actually gonna go in the reverse this time okay so normally I, I i say my things and i go from the movie to star trek right but here we already know where our, our starting point is in star trek so we're gonna go from star trek to moneyball makes sense okay so the first connection I wanna I wanna throw off is like the most straightforward. Okay. So Cole Meany, who plays Chief O'Brien in Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Yeah. Who is in the episode, obviously. Um he was in the movie Get Him to the Greek with Jonah Hill. He was. He played uh, um uh, Russell Brand's dad. Right in yeah, that yeah. movie. So there you go. Straightforward connection directly to that episode. The next ep- the next connection is a little bit more interesting. It's, it's still the same number of steps. Okay. So Greg Wagrowski, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but he played Captain Solok in that episode, who the is the Vulcan. the Vulcan captain that starts the rival baseball team. Right. 
See, he was in a, a season six episode of The West Wing. Okay. Um, which you may or may not know was yeah, created yeah. by Aaron Sorkin. Oh, right. Yeah, he created that. Yeah, and then you have like um, a lot of great writers on that show. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, there's connection right there. And so this is my favorite. Okay. So so Jake Sisko, who is the son of uh, Captain Sisko, Benjamin Sisko. Yeah. Uh, Jake Sisko is the pitcher on the fictional baseball team, uh, the Deep Space Niners. Yeah. And um, actually, I should have brought this up. So the hat that I am wearing right now. Oh, yeah, we mentioned this at the very beginning. We mentioned beginning. this earlier. The hat that I am wearing now is actually a Deep Space Nine, Deep Space Niners hat. <laughs> it's a great logo. If only this was a visual. It's a great medium. logo. Um, we'll have to post this on Instagram afterwards. Yeah, we will. But it's basically it's a baseball and then the station of Deep Space Nine next to it. It's sick. Just rest assured that it's fucking awesome. It's a pretty sick, sick hat, <laughs> and um, and so and they all the um, all the characters in the episode wear it. Mm-hmm. Including the Ferengi, in which case they had to make like extra long hats so that they could fit <laughs> over top of the Ferengi head. Well, that must have been fun. Yeah, I'm sure it was. I think I know the connection <laughs> you're going to make, but I'm ex- I'm excited. Okay, so so Jake Sisko is played by Chirac Lofton. Okay, Chirac Lofton has an uncle. <laughs> this is not the connection I thought you were going to make. Kenny Lofton. Okay. Kenny Lofton is a professional baseball player. Okay. In fact, he was on the 1998 and 1999 Cleveland Indians. What? And who, you know who else was on the 1998 and 1999 Cleveland Indians? Paul DePodesta. And David Justice. What? What? <laughs> Who are both in this movie. Well, they're not both actually in the movie, but yeah. they're portrayed in the movie. Justice almost was in the movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's crazy. He, the, what I thought you were going to say is he's wearing an, uh, an Oakland Athletics hat during the tryouts. Well, he is. Scene, he is doing that. But which that's, is a much that's lamer only connection. Incidental. Yeah. But that's that's fantastic. So his uncle played with... With His a, uncle played with David Justice and was on the team that Paul D. Podesta helped run. So good. It's a great <laughs> connection. Um, so, yeah, I also have some connections just to general Star Trek. Okay. Lay which I just thought were worth mentioning. Okay. So Jonah Hill is also in the movie Hail Caesar. Yeah. Um, who did, who, and Robert he? Picardo. Oh, yeah. He very briefly is, in that movie. Who, Jonah Hill? Yeah. Yeah, he plays. Uh, oh, what's his guy? What's like his that name? lawyer or something. Yeah, the guy. He's a professional person. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's pretty pretty funny. But uh, Robert Picardo was also in that movie, and he played, I think, the rabbi on the panel. Oh yeah, right. I love Robert Picardo. Yeah. Um. So another connection is the um. One of the radio voices, uh, in this movie that's kind of doing the analysis and like making fun of billy bean the yeah whole like time. ripping into him the, ripping the... into him is voiced by a guy named ron canada great name who's not actually from canada Ugh, uh, still a great name. unfortunately i mean it would be a little weird <laughs> if he was to be honest yeah do you know where so, he is uh, from? is he just from the states 
Yeah, he's been in three episodes of Star Trek. <laughs> which which uh, series? He was in the Masterpiece Society in TNG. Okay. The Voyager episode Juggernaut in the oh, Deep Space Nine episode Rules episode. of Engagement. I think that's a good Voyager episode. Which episode is that Juggernaut? Juggernaut. Oh, I can't remember. Um, let me quickly check on Memory Alpha here. Oh, um, and I think the picture actually for this episode is on uh, is is of Ron Canada. Oh, is it really? Let me look it up. Yeah, um, it's it's with the the Malon. Oh, is that him? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's him. Uh, Ron Canada, huh? Yeah, I I can't. He's in makeup in the picture. Yeah, that's, a that's lot. Fine. Also, he he doesn't appear on screen in this movie either. No, so we don't know what he looks like based on that. I mean, I do know what he looks like because he wasn't he, wearing makeup in another he, episode of Star okay. Trek in TNG. In TNG, he just appeared normally. Oh, yeah, that's a great episode. The Voyager episode? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's a good episode. Cool. So, yeah, that's... Uh, that is our connections to Star Trek. I think that was a pretty good one. I don't That's know what you got. That's one of our better ones, in my opinion. Yeah. So, but yeah, if you're if you really like silly Star Trek episodes, this one is a good one to watch. Yeah, I just watched um, it. The, uh, the that is take me out to the Hollow Suite. Yeah, it's it's very clearly as I mentioned to you, it's very clearly a last season episode. <laughs> yeah 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 definitely like it's um, like all like, the characters are already well developed mm-hmm. it's this is just a fun episode. it's just a bit of fun yeah 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 it's a throwaway episode it's not heavy in plot if you haven't watched deep space nine before though you probably won't get it yeah you should probably start earlier on <laughs> you should you should probably not watch it as your first episode of Deep space nine <laughs> it would not it'd be a strange introduction yeah to any uh, star trek yeah Although at the same time, it's like very on the nose for Star Trek, where, where you think you're signing up to watch sci-fi, and instead you're watching like 40 minutes of them yeah. talking and playing <laughs> baseball. Exactly. Or like, yeah, you think you're signing up to watch fucking Star Trek, but instead you're gonna watch an hour of fucking Captain Picard in like his fucking pulp novel. Yeah, in like simulation. 1875 in France. Yeah, or exactly. Some shit. Like, oh my god. <laughs> Or, or you think you're gonna watch fucking start some sci-fi thing, but you're watching like Captain Kirk fucking dress like a cowboy. I fucking hate the holodeck so much. That wasn't a holodeck episode. The holodeck no, that's true. That was that was no. That was uh, that planet. That's yeah. just a western. Like basically, uh, though. <laughs> so like they just replaced <laughs> like alien planets in the original series with the holodeck later. Like what the holodeck was yeah, exactly. in the next generation was just was just alien planets exactly yeah that yeah were 1875 in france it's mm-hmm. like oh yeah let's huh. go to the 1875 planet it's strange this planet <laughs> let's go to the planet with holographic sorry not holographic let's go to the planet with abraham lincoln on it <laughs> I, I did they say it, i don't think it was holographic i can't remember it was some kind of cloning thing i think i I'm don't not remember sure. what how they explained that one but yeah it was silly it was quite quite silly well, um, at so any yeah, rate, I, I think that that pretty much wraps up part one. Part one, yes. Um, so, um, yeah, I hope you guys liked uh, the episode this week. 
Yeah, it was very. We're coming dense. back at you next week with with the conclusion. Yes. Of our uh, our Moneyball uh, episode. Zuh. Yes, this week was quite dense with a lot of information. Um, yeah. Next week is going to also be quite dense with a lot of information. Um, but we. But will... you know that's why people come. Yeah, you know, exactly. They want to get that's educated. Exactly. Um, they want to learn about math and sabermetrics <laughs> and zero about Star Trek. That's barely related. Um, <laughs> you know, it's got baseball in it. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, the next episode we'll talk a bit more about. Um, the actual movie and how we feel about it. I'm sure we'll get into yeah more detail about that. Okay, but yeah, but yeah, I guess we'll uh, we'll see you off. Uh, we'll see you next week. Uh, let me uh, sign off here. Uh, play us out. All right. Oh, this is a slow build. <laughs> let's just you know let's let's just talk and let it uh, let it build up. Can't even hear anything yet. It, oh, it's a real. Actually, uh, let me quickly just talk about this song that we're about to to fade out on. So, but this this song is actually uh, not by the composer. Oh really? Fuck. This this is by a uh, an American post rock band. Oh, this will destroy you. Yes, that's what it is. Right. Interesting. Pretty good song. It is 11 minutes, but we won't listen to the whole thing. No, but this this one little bit. Well, yeah. Um, I forget what his name. Michael uh, something Dana or something. We'll, we'll talk about Michael it. Dana. Yeah, Michael that's Dana. exactly what it is. He definitely emulated this song then for the rest of the fucking soundtrack. Yeah, I was actually listening to the soundtrack quite a bit. It it this is he doesn't really use guitar though outside. It, it, this is the one song that does. Right. Okay. Wow, that changed. I didn't, I didn't realize this was that song. <laughs>